If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to inspire your allies to greatness. And here's why. In this episode, we find answers to how do we have meaningful wants and needs for our characters? And what details of backstory are crucial? And how do we tie it all together into a playable character? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. So has your DM asked you for a backstory before? Absolutely. I mean, right now you're my DM and I'm also m- my DM. That's extra confusing. We DM, we co-DM. If you were absolutely flabbergasted at the nonsense that just came out of Jordan's mouth. You're welcome. But yes, my DM has asked me for backstories before. So this is another true story. I know I explained the four pager that I ended up giving my DM. I told this story in the last episode. And that was a long time ago. I, you know, I handed over this four pager bit of nonsense with like every detail in it. And it had gravitas all of this nonsense. It didn't help. <laughs> what I realized Poorly now crafted. <laughs> that I didn't realize then was the subtext, what the DM is actually trying to say without directly saying is, I'm going to fish through your backstory for the gems that I want to craft a story around. I want to make it meaningful. So I'm going to be looking for characters in your backstory that I can use in my story. I'm going to be looking for all of these pieces of your character's tone and what they would want because of everything that happened to them. Their needs and their their friends and allies. The people that are out to get them for revenge. And I don't know. There's just there's so much there that I'm looking for as a DM that once I comb through this four page novel. I go, I didn't find any of that good stuff in there. Damn it. I wish I would have said that very directly. Also, it's very fine print in the four pages. <laughs> it, you could stretch that out if you double spaced it. Yeah, it's like four point font. <laughs> Whereas I've created characters by trying to think of all the weird ass details that make up a character with no rhyme or reason. Just kind of pulling them out of thin air. Your characters are always so random. Trying to fold them together in the end is really hard. <laughs> what usually happens is I end up keeping one thing, which is a nothing Thing. like my character enjoys a sharp axe and then i make up the rest after months of just sharpening my axe i've known people who've created a character based on a single gimmick that fall down five sessions into a campaign because the character really didn't have any meat beyond this this gimmick like i'm a bird person that has stone legs sure <laughs> that's a bad there's not gimmick. much to work with there <laughs> There are problems with making a really long-winded, elaborate character backstory is that it can end up creating restrictions 
of your character. It's so long and it's so complex and all of the details are already in there that the character has no flex. It has no growth. It's already there in stone. So you end up just kind of floating along after that. Yeah, there's no surprises to the character anymore because we've already established how they're going to essentially react in every given situation uh, because they've there's no character growth. They've they've done all their character growing. They've <laughs> yeah. done all the interesting stuff in their in their history in their past. Yeah, you never want to tell a full story in their backstory. You just need a few basic beats before the game. If there's a dramatic climax in your backstory, you're given too much information. Yeah, true enough. If there's a whole a whole uh, grand arc, I have another bone to pick with ideals, bonds, and flaws. The underlying features of those don't, uh, they don't really come through in the role playing. You're looking for scenarios or ways that you can bring out some of those bonds or flaws, except that those scenarios never seem to come up in gameplay. I've been waiting for months <laughs> to use this every in time I playing. see a chicken, I shit my pants. <laughs> that is not in the book. <laughs> no, that is not in the player's handbook. Sure, but it's one that I've, you know, cooked up. He goes off script a lot. <laughs> but I think I think those ideals, bonds, and flaws are a good start. It's a great idea that they came up with to inspire players to think about personality. It just ends up a little, like you said, specific, sometimes disjointed, unrelated. Like some, I mean, if you're rolling on tables for these, they're definitely not going to come together in a logical backstory. Like what could have made you a person that has these really random traits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what we've come up with in this episode allows us to make characters that flow from the first few decisions we made about them and give just enough information to make it interesting, make it usable, and dare we say, logical. So let's go to the strategy stateroom to illuminate. This is the strategy stateroom where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. So what other details help inform how to play your character? What are the, the raw essentials to making a good one? Well, you've got your wants and needs. That's got to be in there. Sure, yeah. Your character needs those things. You need some characters in your story, a few crucial NPCs to work with. I, as a DM, absolutely want something, somebody that you care about to work with, sure. Some personality traits to inject a little flavor into your role-playing. Otherwise, your barbarian is a brick wall in both the literal sense and the figurative <laughs> sense. That'd be a good character. <laughs> Just a literal brick wall. <laughs> and you need to be able to convey your character. Quickly and easily, without those details about how their foot got stuck in the mud when they were wrestling the town bull. When they were five. When they were five, hole in their foot, and that hole got infected, which led... <laughs> I'm already bored. <laughs> All right. Okay, so as a baseline for this episode, we're kind of building on our last episode. Don't stop the podcast. You can keep listening to this one if you haven't heard the last one, because... As a quick recap, our last episode featured a system where you could essentially build a character backstory from the background. Don't start by rolling dice, just go straight to the character backgrounds halfway through the book and choose one of those 
and start by picking your theme. So the theme is the kind of the underlying current or the, the feeling behind your entire character. Then state your status quo, whatever world that they were living in before they adventured, good or bad, what was normal for them. Then you can create the kickoff. And the kickoff is what changed everything for your character. Whoa. What popped up in their lives. Yeah. Then how did they resist that destiny? Why were they hesitant to adventure? Because anybody that just jumps in full bore, that's not interesting. You need some character conflict. So why didn't they want to rise to the occasion? But then in that final call to adventure, why did they? What made them launch on this great and epic game that you're just about to play through and meet their adventuring party. Now, the reason for a backstory, why do we need a backstory in the first place? Well, we talked about the fact that a DM is requesting a backstory, but they're really asking for the important details that they can use. So that's what we're talking about in this episode, those usable details. You can keep fleshing out whatever you want, but starting with the details before you have this structure is kind of like drawing a person's eyebrows and moles before knowing where their head is going to be on the page. It can be done, but it's a lot more challenging to make sure you got all the pieces in the right places. Otherwise, you start to get a little Picasso-esque. Yes, you'll be explaining that rogue eyebrow for years. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start with their wants and needs. That's why they're going to go an adventure, to fulfill these wants and needs. Now we're going to pick it up right at the call to adventure with why? Why are they doing this? So their external goal, like they're trying to save their village. Well, I as a DM need to know what is going to motivate my players. Yeah. Because it can't always be gold and it can't always be loot. In order to have a really rich and deep character, you have to have more than just those things. What's it all for? What's it all about? Why do they go into that dungeon with those freaky monsters? And then the the character's need is the internal journey that they're going through. So your character's got their external goal, but what do they need to learn in order to meaningfully achieve that goal? I want to be a king and I want to rule, but really I needed to learn to be satisfied and be a good leader in the first place. And whether or not you actually become king in the end of the story is less important than if you truly became a king. I learned to be a great party leader by running through this dungeon with these crazy weirdos. It doesn't matter whether or not I actually became king. Unless the evil guy is going to become king. Well, now we have a campaign. Woo! So I think it really helps to establish needs by considering the wants. So that external, hey, I want a big house and people to rule as that king. But underneath there is a need, an internal need of something that you need to learn. So that is usually reflected in a lie that the character has been telling themselves for so long. There's just this lie, this thing that they believe that isn't actually true. And that's what they need to come to terms with rather than the actual want, the external, I want that big house. I actually need to overcome being insecure about my power and I need to learn to be a powerful character. Right. Like maybe the lie would be the only way to become valuable is to rule people. There you go. So that's a great need to overcome. I think for a player that provides lots of moments to feel 
torn by what you believe and what you want to accomplish. That creates the drama right there. Because, yeah, those two things are always going to be in conflict with one another. Do you grow as a character and admit and work on the lie that you've been telling yourself? Or do you just beeline it straight for the external want? That's much harder to achieve without good values. (laughs) Yeah. So the next one is personality traits. Now, these ones are really, really important to me. And these, I think, help fix my own personal issues that I have with the ideals, bonds, and flaws system. While it's a fine system, again, like we earlier mentioned, it can be challenging to find role-playing opportunities to exercise those ideals, bonds, and flaws. Or at least, that's how I feel. (laughs) I run into lots of problems with that. Yeah, I never really remembered to try and work those in. I come up with them with good intentions in the first place, but they always fall by the wayside. And they, I think they are incredibly helpful in the character creation process, in that early process. But I always find that once the game, once the rubber hits the road and you're in the middle of this really long campaign, you always forget about these flaws that you're never really playing out. Yeah. And that's because I think they're a little bit too grandiose. They're, they're maybe too specific. So give me two positive traits. Appreciative and dramatic. Okay. Your character is appreciative and dramatic. So the important part about those traits is that they're a single word and they're descriptive of a personality. They can be played out in any situation. For instance, the bond, I care for my party like a litter of newborn puppies, is it's a it's a lot that's actually in the player's handbook however protective is an easier thing to try to play out it's an easier concept to wrap my mind around when i'm in the midst of role playing oh yeah i am protective i'm a protective person what happens when the king is being a dick to the rest of my party i get protective but in the same token when a monster might be threatening to come up from the sewers and destroy a town, I get a little bit protective. Like that has so many more applications than say a really, really specific phrase. Yeah. So what we like to do is to add two positive traits, two negative traits, and one neutral trait. What makes a trait neutral? Well, I think a neutral trait is just something that could be good in some scenarios and could be bad in some scenarios. Like being? Like, for instance, being complex. Sometimes that's going to be cool. Sometimes it's not. Or, say, childish. In some scenarios, you know, having a childlike sense of wonder is cool. But when you are trying to diplomatically arrange for the release of a captive... That probably is not going to work to your benefit. (laughs) So you're saying childish, for example, like playing in a fantasy world with all your friends, (laughs) desperately wanting the next time that you do that. Yeah, okay, (laughs) maybe. But you see what I'm saying is that I can now find a lot of different ways that I could play out childish. Absolutely. I could keep fun little trinkets or I could do, uh, I could stop by the wayside and instead of taking that short rest i could go play in a field and that is my short rest 
You know, I could go play make believe in a in a field if yeah. I'm playing a childish character. It's more open than I pull out my deck of cards every time I see a halfling. <laughs> That's weird. You could do it. It could happen, but the the scenario is so narrow that you're very rarely going to get to play that out. However, distracted is a negative trait that could result in pulling a deck of cards out when you're a halfling in the middle of a conversation about something entirely different. Nice. So yeah, choose five traits for your character. One really important point is that I think if you're playing in like a grandiose kind of Lord of the Rings-esque inspiring fantasy, you can play with the types of traits that you choose. So for instance, you could choose three good traits one neutral and one bad. Mm, all good. Yeah. I'm all good. Sure, you could do all good. That doesn't really make a super dynamic character, but it could be done. You're right. All bad. If you're playing in a really gritty, gross, historical, like Viking fantasy or something like that, well, you could do three negative. Yeah. You're boorish and you're crass and you're violent. Well, those are three negative traits, and now your character takes on a little bit of a different slant. But personally, I like the balanced. I think that suits most tabletop scenarios really well. I'm going to go with all bad. All right. <laughs> I'd like to see you try and play out an all bad character. You're too weird. And that's how he introduces himself. I'm all bad. <laughs> Don't try and make me good. He sounds like a guy we want to get to know. Heck yeah. He's a real team player. So what about NPCs? NPCs. Characters that you're attached to. Mm -mm. So you don't need that many. You don't need to name everyone from your hometown. Fair. I think that you need a couple of solid ones. Really, you just need two. And you can go from there. You need someone that's your friend and someone that's your enemy. Me as a DM, I'm going to be able to do so much with those. But one thing that you do have to consider is that, you know, if you do try and give the entire town roster to your DM, what happens if another player does the same thing? Now I've got 50 NPCs that I'm juggling. As a DM, when that happens to me, I crumble. <laughs> Fold like a card table. <laughs> I lose my pants. If you just make two, a friend and an enemy or a nemesis and an ally, that gives me as a DM so much to work with. And now I have somebody that I can use within this story for better or for worse. I might, I'm going to come up with some really evil plans for my players based on those two things. But I have everything that I need if every player at my table gave me each one of those characters. True, but you're, you're wading into dangerous territory there. I think a, an important note is for DMs, don't just try to kill them all. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> that is my first job. Day one, both your characters are dead. You come across a field <laughs> and your, your childhood crush and the person that bullied you all through high school are dead in a field. It's a mystery. Aw, shucks. <laughs> Guess I'll loot them and play whatever story you had planned. No, you're exactly right. You can't do anything with these characters if they're dead. 
So that's why they have to both be alive and they have to be usable so that maybe you left them six years ago before your adventuring days began, but at least they're there, they're in the world, and they are usable by me as a DM. And all you really need for them is their name, their relationship to your character, and a brief description if you want that to be physical or mental or whatever. Well, I need you to be able to recognize who this is. Yeah. So I want you to flesh out just those simple details because I've got a lot more that I want to do with these characters. And I might need some creative freedom as a DM to do something interesting with them later. So really, that's all I need is those three things. Name, yeah. relationship, description. You always know my nemesis by the two eye patches over his chest. <laughs> Why is he wearing eye patches there? <laughs> Cover them nips. <laughs> those are no longer eye patches. Those are pasties. <laughs> well, he's a tiefling with eyes for nips. Your characters. Your characters <laughs> are just off the hook. Well, that That's canon in my head. <laughs> no official storyline. So the final thing that you need is the pitch. What is a pitch? It's when you show up to a table of people that don't know your character and they say, what's your character about? And I say, well, my character is from the lands of Lethera and they're over the, the glimmering sea and they came from a family of miners and there was a man in their mining camp that said uh, some very hurtful words to me when I was a child. What was the man's and, hair color? Uh, oh, it was blue. The, oh. the man's hair color was blue. Good. And are you bored yet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've started looking at my stats again, making sure I didn't <laughs> miss anything. I've fully walked away. <laughs> uh, so uh, a pitch is just the cliff notes. And it's structured in such a way, um, very similar to like a business elevator pitch. What is the shortest route to giving me a full sense of your character and kind of who they are? What makes them interesting? And me with some more. Yeah. So how does a pitch go? Well, we wanted to structure it kind of like you could say it out loud. So for example, your character blank has a life of blank, but the problem was blank. So they plan to blank which they resisted because blank, but ultimately they commit to blank. All right. I'm kind of intrigued. Where is this story going? I've got a pretty good sense of who your character is now. I think we need an example. Fire away. Well, this is based on the character that I was kind of fleshing out in the last episode as well. But the pitch for him now is my character, Roscus, a hopeful, inexperienced student, had a life of ignorance and fear behind the walls of their town, but their problem was their town was running dry on resources. So they planned to embark on a journey to bring back other ways of life, which they resisted because their leader insisted that they wouldn't be allowed to rejoin after their abandonment. But ultimately they commit knowing it's the only way to save their home. Green light that movie. <laughs> I want to see that. That's really good. Right on. So, yeah, just following that very simple formula forces us as players to really start to consider the motivations and the needs and the wants of a character without going into just an overly elaborate backstory. It's short, it's punchy, it's to the point, it still has options, 
to expand on in the future. There's still a lot of questions that can be answered, but I have a really good sense of both the backstory and who that person is. And I think it's really cool to start this way because now I'm imagining that I can fill out the mechanics and stats of a character sheet quite easily. Oh yeah, with that and a background and their ally and their nemesis and how maybe those interact together. Yeah. All of that leads towards something that's a lot more in-depth. And playable. Ultimately playable. playable. So all of this is available in another form-fillable PDF, and we've created a list of 500 character traits. (laughs) 200 good, 100 neutral, 200 negative character traits that you can roll randomly on, or you can just skim through and choose which one works for you. And there's a worksheet with that that you can fill out. It has all of this on it. And you can just hand a copy to your dungeon master and you're ready to play, baby. Well, what I love about this and why this was so important to build was that it's something that can be just filled out. And like you said, hand it over to the DM. You can then take this and apply it to your character sheet. But I, as a DM, no longer have to sift through the backstory looking for the finer points. I know that if I have all five of my players fill this out before in a session zero, that I have everything that I need to work in my story that I'm trying to tell in and tie it directly to the characters at the table. And we can tell a really, really fulfilling story together. Absolutely. So all of this leads into a character sheet that you've been designing for the last little while. Yeah, I'm really excited to throw my hat in the ring with a character sheet. I see a lot of them out there, and I said, I can do this. So (laughs) there's there's an official... (laughs) I'm another, a person that can, in fact, do this, the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) What a sales pitch. I know, right? Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll properly pitch over here in Morden's Forge on why this character sheet is so important to download. This is Morden's Forge, where raw materials are reshaped, honed into tools and weapons for the most incredible of quests. All right, so my version of a character sheet is just a blank sheet of paper. You kind of write down a bunch of random numbers. And then you write down what they mean around them, (laughs) and you kind of make lines. This is a do-it-yourself project. (laughs) It's no wonder your characters are always so random. Hooray! (laughs) Open the dictionary to to different pages. It's just like a scattershot of numbers (laughs) and letters and (laughs) known only to him. It's in a secret code. Okay, what's your character sheet, Travis? Well... (laughs) What I really wanted to try to achieve with this was something that was a little bit more fleshed out. Uh, A couple of the main considerations that I went into with this kind of design choice and this specific aesthetic is I really enjoy being able to show my work. So I always get to this point where my character is at level five and I forget, why is my armor class 18? Right, because my my native one is is fourteen, and I'm not the armor doesn't work 
how did I get that extra bonus? Was I cheating? Yeah. <laughs> was it a was it a one-time bonus that I just didn't erase? So the basic character sheet that you get from Wizards of the Coast, it's great. It's timeless. It's awesome. Don't stop using it. But give this one a try and burn the other one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a hard statement. All right. This one tries to approach by being able to show everything that leads up to it. And the reason I did this was for some of our events, we didn't know necessarily the experience level of some of the players. So we wanted to make sure that everything was laid out. We knew exactly why we arrived at certain totals for our skills. Another major consideration that came to me when I went into this is I kind of get annoyed at these weird spots that kind of get uh, worn down by eraser marks because I'm kind of crossing the page. And you might notice on this character sheet that all of the majority of the writing of the erasing of the things that change very frequently in games is all on the right-hand side and that my hand isn't sitting when I'm jotting things down. See? Smart. Smart. But what about the lefties? You going to make another version? Yeah, I'll reverse it for lefties. <laughs> Sorry, lefties. I also like to be able to keep track of my inventory, and I'm always annoyed that I have to flip the page to find out what I had in my inventory because I reference that far more than I reference some of the other stuff. True. Other little things like carried and stored gold. We always kind of make that joke that we're lumping around this huge hefty sack of platinum, and why isn't anybody robbing us? <laughs> Do we really look that mean? Well, then we eventually visit a bank in our fantasy worlds and we put some of our money in there. But then how did you get that money out the next time you're going to buy a health potion? Um, because we're nowhere near that town. So uh, just little things like carried and stored money. Uh, so that I don't forget to erase it when I store it. Exactly. And it doubles somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I had two gold. Became four gold when I stored it and became eight gold when I pulled it out. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Weird how that worked. I love Fantasy Bank. <laughs> Other little things like the increases to my speed and where some of those bonuses came from. And then it's a two-sided character sheet that still works in that still works in spells. So only two sheets, you could do it front or back, and you still have all of your spell slots, including areas to write down how many you've used, yada, 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 because the regular character sheet is actually three pages. And then, of course, the most important piece is that everything that we talked about in this episode is featured on the back side of the sheet with things like a spot to write your character's theme, five personality traits, your ultimate want and your ultimate need, an ally, a nemesis, and then, of course, that backstory form. That pitch. Your character had a life of, but the problem was, so they planned to, which they resisted because, but ultimately, they commit to world domination. <laughs> uh, I'm committed. Your characters, I don't understand the problem. <laughs> this is all available to you on our website, on our Patreon. You can find them in both places. We're going to start hosting all of this extra content that we make on our actual site, so you can go find it there as well. 
but it's always available on Patreon, uh, free to download, including a form-fillable version. So you can either print it out regular and use the old classic pencil, or you can be high-tech on your tablet and fill in the form as you go. And do not forget crayons. Crayons are a legitimate way to write on your character sheet. So if this sounds intriguing, download it, try it out, let us know what you think. Let us know how to make it better. And I think that's all we need to say today. (laughs) Yeah, we're spent. (laughs) I'm done. My brain is done. Thanks to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and Reddit. Thanks Thanks for for listening and and dominate the world. Is that a character want or a character need? That is my bond, my flaw, all five traits. (laughs) 